0: Welcome to FHOP Church, Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Um, and while we're turning there, I just want to say... Um I keep telling this to my cross country team. I'm so ready for social distancing and all that to be over because there's so many things that we normally do that we can't do. I I'm just ready for a church dinner again. Yeah, um, you know, um or we can all just sit down I don't see that can be Yeah. Um, there's there's a uh, there's a lot going on in the world (laughs) Um, I want to start off by saying thank you to this church Um, because it's been a really 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 hard last two months and For me to get up here and pretend like it hasn't been or that there's nothing going on would be disingenuous, I think is the word. Um, And When things happen in your life and you've gone through the things, you've gone through things in your life too that made you feel disqualified to even be a voice in anyone's life. And it makes you feel worthless, that you have no value, and um, and then the Lord reminds you who you are. We we have this terrible tendency to compare ourselves to other people too. Oh, uh, now I'm getting into my sermon already. I'm not supposed to do that. Um, the other day, I was trying to be a little bit helpful with some of the branches and stuff that were tearing down at the house, get ready for this camp. I reached out and grabbed a branch and I got this big old splinter in my hand. Just hurt. Took me two days to get it out. It just hurt. I whined about it so much. Also, Eddie got an entire sh- tree shoved into his arm. Eddie, will you just roll up your sleeve? Just to, I know, but I just want you to see it. Guys, I got a splinter, though. No, wait. No, don't look at him. Look at me. I got a splinter. I got a splinter. And I think what we forget is that what a person is walking through is still painful to them. And and guys, the reason I say this is because, like, who, who I am is a pastor. And God is reminding me of that. And you get to the place where you're tired of walking in the room, and, and everyone feels like your problem is the biggest problem in the room. And over the last, especially the last couple of weeks, as I've been talking to you guys, um, hearing things that you're walking through, and problems that you're having, and there's this hesitancy for, you, for some of you to even bring it up, because, well, pastor's going through a hard time right now. You guys, when you're walking through something, it's painful to you. And and I'm not comparing the pain, and I'm not comparing what you're walking through with anything else. What I say that to say this is that, like, I want a pastor, I want a shepherd. I want to know what you're walking through, and I don't want you to hold back because you're like, well, I know you're going through a lot right now too. You do not have to preface, you don't have to preface what you're about to tell me with that. Um, on any given day. So many of us are walking through so much, and that's that's the heart of the body of Christ is to is like when one rejoices, we rejoice with them, and when when one's going through a hard time, we go through that hard time with like like we're there for each other, and that's that's what this church you guys have been so good about, and and what I'm trying to say is I'm I want to be that you you've been that to me for the last two months, and I know you will continue to. Uh, be that for me because um, there's hard days ahead but what I'm saying is I want to want to be that back now like yeah I backed up for a few weeks I took some time off I was gone last week and now I just want to say thank you for for allowing me to take that little sabbatical last week and and um, so refreshing and God did so much in my life last week and just speaking into my identity of who I am. And uh, he's so good. He's so faithful. And um, all I could think of is how much I just I just wanted to be here for you guys without any asterisks on it. You know, just, just be here for you guys. And... and Love you and walk with you through the things you're going through, and um, that's my heart. And then, and I was all geared up for it. And then uh, Monday evening, I was kind of feeling a little under the weather, and and uh, and I was just kind of yeah. under the weather for most of the week, so I just kind of stayed a, away. And nothing. I I tried to go talk to them about COVID stuff, and they kind of laughed at me. And they were like, "You go away." I was like, "All right, well." Do you guys want us to get tested or not? I don't know, um, but uh, God is good, and this church is an amazing church, and um, we have so many that are still, um, so many that are still out, you know, trying to be cautious and social distance and stuff. And we love them, and we'll still serve them, and um, and even more decided to be gone today because of the spike and stuff. I'm not judging anyone for their choices. Um, and that's why we are going to be streaming here in just a second again. And and um, but um, I don't I don't know everything I'm supposed to say. I'm in uncharted territory <laughs> um, in my life. I don't know everything I'm supposed to do. All I know is I need Jesus. And all I know is you need Jesus. And I'm reminded of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It's Paul talking, and he said this. He says, when I came to you, brothers, um, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to... To know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech, my message were not in plausible words. Of wisdom, but in a demonstration of the spirit of power. Power. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And I just want to say that if your relationship with God is only based on the things that are coming from this pulpit and this microphone, then that's not an authentic relationship with the Lord. Like, we could get up here and say stuff that's even completely wrong. and how will we know body unless unless we're all digging in to the word ourselves unless unless it's being revealed to us by the power of god and not through like and that's i read this cuz i was like i want to be back in the pulpit but sometimes my thoughts still somewhat feel somewhat scattered and all i can say is i don't know anything besides jesus and him crucified Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it's not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this for if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. But it is written what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God revealed to us through the spirit, for the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. The world is looking for a perfect man. The world is looking for a perfect man or woman or person. Um, We know this. We've seen this this week. The last few weeks is as monuments are being torn down of all these people who did great things, but they weren't perfect people, you know. Uh, Let's tear down the monuments. Let's blow up. Mount Rushmore let's let's do all these things because all these all these people have some sort of as great as they were they have some sort of skeleton in their past and so let's get rid of them let's erase their existence because the world is looking for the perfect man I think it's crazy how even even Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. the Reverend had something of over 40 affairs. So what do we do? Do we discredit all the work he did in the area of civil rights years ago? The man denied the virgin birth. Well, I mean, what do you do? There is no perfect man. Our forefathers, they had some weird things they believed. And so we'd like to discredit somebody because they believe one thing different than we do. And discredit everything they've ever done. And it's because we are looking for the perfect man. And there was only ever one perfect man. And that is the man Christ Jesus. If, And I'll say it again. If your hope comes from the man that stands on this stage and delivers the word and you're looking for him to be the perfect man, you've also lost. Because that man doesn't exist. In Ephesians 4, it's talking about the body of Christ and how we're supposed to grow together in unity. And the example it gives us is that we would grow in unity of faith of the knowledge of the Son of God. And it says that Son of God is a perfect man. He's the perfect man. And that we're going to measure up to the stature of the full, fullness of Christ. Like like the reason we come together as a body is so that we can look at Christ together and grow together into him and he's the perfect man. And so as we're together and as, as we hang out with one another and some of you are going to do some screwy things. Some of you are going to say some some things that don't match what this book says but the reason we come together in the body of Christ is so we can look at each other and say whoa 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 I love you brother that's not the way I love you sister but you, you can't be talking like that um what's it say here and the reason the reason people withdraw from fellowship of brother and sisters in Christ is because They're uncomfortable being sharpened because iron sharpens iron. And so people withdraw because they're afraid that something that's in you is something they need to have in them, which is the part of Jesus that we're supposed to share with one another, not in a judgmental or condescending way, but to provoke each other to good works, as the scripture says. And so as we sit in this room together, even as I talk today, and you go home and you sit around the table and talk about the message for the day, which I hope you do, um, as you could say, you know what? What he said here I saw in my life, or what he said there maybe wasn't quite right. Like I'm not above criticism, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not a pope, thank God. I'm a man of God who wants to shepherd a group of people And that's something I forgot for several weeks. I'm not trying to be the know-all. I'm trying trying to be the lead follower. And I believe God has a direction for this church, and that's another thing I want to say because of camps being canceled. I know a lot of you had days off for that, and I'm hoping you can get those days back on the, On the 27th and 28th of this month, end of the month, that's a Tuesday, Wednesday, um, there's a conference um, that I really wanted to go to. I was going to ask you guys to send me to it next year because it's kind of pricey and it's kind of far away and it's all this social distancing. I wasn't sure. I was like, maybe the church will send me there next year for this conference. It's uh, the GROW conference. And... um, Anyway, I was talking about a lot over the last weekend with this other church, something I was already interested in and something they do, and so I was like, oh, this is kind of a God thing. And then Monday I got the email that they've canceled the conference and they've gone to a virtual conference, which means they're going to be broadcasting the whole thing and they decide the whole thing's going to be free. You can bring as many people as you want. And so I was like, hey, this is what I want. And what a better time in the midst of the turmoil and craziness that's going on in the world, the world doesn't know what it wants. It's looking for the perfect man. What a better time for us to come together as a church for a couple of days and to listen to some leaders declare some vision and then for us to sit down and say, okay, what does that look like for Forerunner House of Prayer? What is the vision? And, And I don't, guys, I don't just want to be a good leader or a healthy leader. I want to be an empowering leader. And what I believe that means is an empowering leader creates other leaders who can lead. And, and what that means is if you can, if, if I can communicate the vision of this church clear enough, then you can make decisions on your own without having to come to me and say, does this match what we want to do? Because you'll already know the heartbeat of this place. Because the reality is, and let, let me tell you, The the heartbeat of this place is for this community to know God, not for this community to know Foreigner House of Prayer. How how great is it if if you're ministering to somebody for weeks and it takes them weeks to find out that you actually go to church here, but they saw the Jesus in you the first time they met you. That doesn't bother me at all. I mean, if we have to take the name off the church, we will. The name doesn't matter. The Jesus in us Matters. And we want people to know him. And that's my heart, is that, is that, and and that's what I realized last week, is I want to walk with you guys so that you can know him more. As you're walking through your hard times and things are happening, I want to walk with you so that you can know him more. So that we can grow into the knowledge of the Son of God, the perfect man, to the measure in the stature of the fullness of Christ. The fullness of Christ. Colossians 1.15 says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And in 2 Corinthians 4.4 it tells us that, that the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Like, the world is literally, like, they're blinded. And so what's our response, people of God, is, is it our response then to be like, they're blinded. I can totally see it. And sometimes, oh, it bothers me. It bothers me when I walk into a room of people who are talking about how blinded the world is. And I apologize if I'm about to step on your toes a little bit, um, sort of. <laughs> Sometimes we really, really like to talk about how blinded the world is. And I've sat and listened to heated debates between believers about how blinded the world is. And all I can think is, of course they're blinded. And what's our response? Is our response to jump in and say, yeah, oh. We you're not going to believe how blinded. And, you know, you can see how blinded the world is. You just watch the news. That's our source of the world is blinded. That's, that's the, for a believer, when you watch the news, you should change the name of the news in your head to the world is blinded. And then we get together other believers, and that's all we want to talk about. When we know the light And why wouldn't we just reach up there and rip the blinders off their faces and say, look at Jesus. And then if they want to put the blindfold back on, that's up to them. We sit and we we talk about masks and monuments but when the world needs a Messiah. We want to debate these things. And I have no interest in talking to you about those things. I don't care about your statues. I don't care about your health. I do. I do. I do. But a lot of this is just a distraction from the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're supposed to serve other people and love them, with the heart of Jesus Christ Not talk about how blind they are. I have in my notes: the world is longing for a God they cannot even see. People have a God-shaped hole. How many you know? Before you met Christ, you had a God-shaped hole. How many know even now? Sometimes, as a believer, I'm. Hang on. (sighs) Ah. I haven't preached in a long time. You guys, I um, thought that would at least be a decent amen section, right? Like, you guys can say amen. It's all right. Um, Hebrews four. Let me go there. Hebrews four. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. You realize you have a God-shaped hole in you and that temptation comes up and it's you trying to fill that God-shaped hole with something else, right? That's what we do. Even as believers sometimes, that temptation comes up. What's been so exciting to me is in the last few weeks is realize, one, the scripture says there is a way of escape, right, with the temptation and that Two, that there's no temptation but such as common to man. There's been something else who's been tempted with the same thing you've been tempted with, and they walked out victorious. How encouraging is that? That means you can do it. And three, what it says in this passage is probably the most exciting, is that Jesus was tempted in every way we are, and he was yet without sin. And so what does that do? It's kind of like what I said earlier. It's, it's, uh, it makes us feel kind of like Isaiah or Peter, like, oh, I'm unclean, get away, because you're without sin. And what does it say here, though, in this passage? It says, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. That God is so perfect. The perfect man is so perfect that our response is kind of like, if we really know him, like, God, I'd. You're so good that I really can't be near you. And yet he's saying, no, 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 my goodness and my grace and my mercy draws you closer to me. And the world will see it as, well, if God's so good. All you people are so judgmental and, and. ah, Because they don't want to look at the righteousness of God. And surrender to it. And so we label it as judgmental, as rigid, as legalistic we push it away from us. You know what I think is crazy? Planet Fitness. I don't know if you've ever seen a Planet Fitness commercial. But it's the home of the judgment-free zone. That's what they advertise. Come and work out at P- Planet Fitness. It's the judgment-free zone. And what they're Marketing is trying to do is, is they're trying to get people who are uncomfortable going in to work out. Because you know, I don't want to go in there because everyone will be looking at me. I mean, look at me. I don't belong there with those ripped guys. And Planet Fitness, no, no, come on, just come on. No one's going to judge you here. Come work out here. It's a safe place for you. And so you get in there when you get in there to keep it a judgment free zone they have a list of rules on the wall way up high posted big and bright with an alarm bell next to it things like keep your shirt on at all times okay uh, no grunting or yelling during your workout oh okay and the list goes on and on and on like that So if if you're lifting and you get a little bit loud, and you go, ah, oh, that alarm goes off, because you yelled while you were lifting, even if it was hard. Because we don't want people to feel uncomfortable, because you've been in the gym before, and the guy next to you was, rah, rah, every way. And it just made you feel uncomfortable. So the judgment-free zone has a list of rules and an alarm bell that, if you break them, The alarm bell goes off, and they kick you out. And there's some pretty great YouTube videos of people getting kicked out of Planet Fitnesses for breaking the rules. The judgment-free zone, which to me just seems like it's full of so much judgment versus the place I've worked out for a long time, which has big, ripped guys. And you just kind of do you, and everyone's super encouraging. And there's not a list of rules. But everyone's super encouraging. It's just relationship is what it is. What's crazy is the world, that's what they do. They pervert purity. And so, oh, it's a judgment-free world. We should, you be you. You do you. You do you. Well, Thomas Jefferson did him. And now we're going to tear down all the statues. Donald Trump is doing him and we either love him or we hate him. Joe Biden is doing him. And we love him or we hate him. Like like the hypocrisy in the world we they don't even see it. Why? They're blinded. And they're looking for the perfect man. Here's the reality is, I don't know if you realize this, but we serve a jealous god. I've said this before and I are I watched a TV interview with Oprah, the famous talk show host. Um, I bet my kids don't even know who Oprah is. Um, now, what's uh, Now you're amening? Come on now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and how she talked about her walking away from her Christian faith in her late 20s because she was in a church service and the pastor's up giving a fiery message about the attributes of God, talking about how God is a, omnipotent God and God is a holy God and God is a jealous God and that bothered her so much so that she stopped believing in the Christian God but the word tells us and I'll for the sake of time I'll just tell you in Exodus 20 verse 5 and in 2 Corinthians 11 2 amongst other places such as Deuteronomy 4 and Exodus 34 and Isaiah 42 other places that our God is a jealous God now this is not a jealous God as in a self-centered possessiveness with unreasonable domination that's not the God we serve if you want to live in darkness he will let you but this is a God who wants an exclusive and pure relationship like in a marriage next, next Saturday we got a couple getting married here, Dylan and Sicily. You guys excited? I'm excited. It's going to be a it's going to be a great time. It's not unreasonable for Dylan if after church Sicily walks across the room and just starts flirting hardcore with some other guy inappropriately, it would not be inappropriate for Dylan to get jealous. That's his fiance, And what she's doing ain't right now. She wouldn't do that. She wouldn't do that. But that's, that's in a, now there is, I get it, jealousy can be perverted too to where it becomes something that's domineering and, and ugly and abusive. But there is a holy divine jealousy. And what gets me is the God of the universe is jealous over us. and we get content with other things and it's it's just it bothers me it bothers me how much that the bridegroom desires his bride and and the bride she wants to turn her eyes to other things That's a heavier statement, and I know it more now than ever before in my life. And we think, we think we're okay because we're comparing ourselves to other people who God is also jealous for, and we think I'm doing better than they are. I'm pursuing God more than they are. God isn't comparing you to anyone else. God is just jealous for you. 2 Corinthians 10, 12, it says, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by another and they compare themselves with another, they are without understanding. And, and we, don't, uh, we don't always do this actively. Teenagers, we do it a lot, or you do it a lot. We did a lot. Se- well, I don't go out and do all the things those guys do. I just do these things. But ladies and gentlemen, adults in the room, we do it too. Not realizing that it takes the same blood of Jesus to forgive us of our sins as it does anyone else that we encounter on a daily basis. I almost said, you are not special. You're special, but you're special just like everyone else. Like, Like the Lord, He just wants your heart and He wants it completely. He's jealous over that. And our eyes turn to other things, and and I can't help but think that it breaks the heart of the Father who just wants us. He just wants us completely. The perfect man. The perfect man desires relationship with us, even though we're so screwed up. In John chapter 19, I'll just read it to you if you don't mind. It says this, it says, Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They're mocking him here. And they came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I'm bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! And Pilate said to them, Take him yourself and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered, we have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die, because he has made himself the son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was more afraid. He entered the headquarters again and said to Jesus, where are you from? And Jesus gave no answer. So Pilate said to him, you... You will not speak to me. Do you not know I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? And Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Do you realize that God he has the greatest authority? And Jesus is the perfect man. In him there is no guilt. And yet he died. Why? Why does Jesus die? The perfect man. Romans 3 tells us that the the wages of sin, the payment for our wrongdoing is death. And so here's the sinless man who never owed a death. His blood was so precious and so pure. We find the answer in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says therefore we are ambassadors of Christ and that's that's talking about you and me. Like we are the ambassadors of Christ. You carry Christ with you everywhere you go. You're a spokesman for the king. Every place that you are. Therefore we are ambassadors of Christ. God making His appeal through us, and and I just I want to say, are you allowing God to make His appeal through you to the people around you? We can't just be a, a club for talking about the blindness of the world. We have to be. We have to be. I don't know, nurses and doctors for the King. The, the girls and I have been reading through Mark, and and one of them said, was it? Was it you, Kai, or was it Kayla? It said one of my favorite parts was where Jesus is hanging out with the sinners and the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the religious crowds getting mad about it. And he said, I, 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 I didn't come for you guys. I, the, the healthy don't need a doctor. It's the sick who need a doctor. We can't just be a bunch of healthy people who talk about how sick everyone else is we have to let God make appeals through us and he says this we implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God and and we we read these scriptures with these holy whatever things in the back of our mind but we you. and that that word employer is like he he's begging you he's 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 is not just some. Well, I'd, I'd be nice if you give your life. No, he he implores you to be reconciled to God, be reconciled to God, and this is this is this is where it gets intense because it says, "For our sake, He made Him to be sin, who knew no sin, that in Him we might become the righteousness of God." the holy, jealous, awesome, loving God of the universe wants to pour his wrath out on sin with which none of us on our own can stand but Jesus when he died on the cross who knew no sin like he was made to be sin and the wrath of God was poured out on him on my behalf. Beloved, it doesn't matter what you did yesterday. Some of you are carrying so much shame and so much guilt, things that you did yesterday or last week or last year or 10 years ago. And can I tell you something? If you surrender to Jesus Christ, your sin is on that cross and it's paid for. All you need to do is walk out of this building today and be faithful in this moment today. That's all you have to do. Stop carrying that sin with you. It's all on the cross, and the wrath of God was poured out. And then, and then, guys, I know Jesus is our friend, but he's, he's the King of the Universe. And the Scriptures so many places it talks about approaching him with fear and trembling, and then we approach him with confidence. And then, like, there's all this. But what's the right answer? The right answer is both. Like. I approach him full confidence with complete fear. But with complete confidence, because I know who he is. He is dangerous, but he is good. And then this perfect man proves he's God by rising from the dead. And can I tell you, friends, he's coming again. He is coming again. Interesting. In the parable of the good Samaritan. I have a hard time not believing that. Uh, yes, I know Samaritan is a good example for us as believers. But I have a hard time not believing that Jesus was actually talking about himself as the Samaritan. The Samaritans who were rejected by the culture of that day. Jesus who was rejected by the culture of the day. And what does Jesus do? What does the Samaritan do? He comes, he picks the man up af- out of the ditch, what the religious crowd could never do. He he binds his wounds, he takes care of him, he nurses him. Then he takes him to the inn. And he leaves him there, and he pays the innkeeper, and he says, take care of this man. and And I can't help but think, but that innkeepers is, is the Holy Spirit empowered church to take care of one another. And you know what's so encouraging about that parable is that the Samaritan says, "And when I come back, whatever you've done, I will I will repay for in full." Right. And so here's the here's the reality, people of God, that that we must take care of one another and lift each other up, but the but the Samaritan is coming back. Whatever it's cost you to invest in the lives of other people, he will repay you in full. And this is is where we want to live. We must be people who live in grace and love and forgiveness. I might preach on forgiveness next week. I don't know. All I know is God will not send you to heaven with anyone you haven't forgiven. Because you're going to be together for eternity. Well, you haven't forgiven him, you don't need to see him. There's a world out there that is looking for the perfect man, and I'm looking across this room at a group of people that you've met him You remember the moment you met him. You remember the time that you said yes and everything changed. Some of you were in bad stuff and God changed you and you got into the good stuff. Some of you grew up religious and then you really had an encounter with him and it changed your life. That was me. That was me. I was the good kid and then I really met Jesus and it changed me. And the perfect man—he's jealous for you, and he wants you. He wants every part of you, and he wants our community. And and that's 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 part of the reason that I want to do this thing here at the end of the month, is so that w- we can introduce this community to the King of Kings. They're longing for something. The world is longing for something, and we have the something. Only God can fill that God-shaped hole. And as heavy it is to preach this, I have so much joy in my heart because I know Him. Like I know Him. And there's peace. There's peace that surpasses understanding when you know Him. When your world is crumbling down around you and you feel like you can't breathe, There is a peace that surpasses understanding, and it comes through knowing the King of kings. I'm telling you, I know it. I'm walking it. You're walking it. I've seen you walk it, and we need to tell people how good the Lord has been for us. And so, um, would you stand up with me? I don't I know it's not the most polished sermon ever. I don't have wise words or eloquent wisdom or whatever. I just have Jesus. Would you just close your eyes for a moment? Just so that you're not distracted. Here's the reality. The reality is is we will all stand before God. God. And we will all stand before God alone. 100%, you will not be good enough to make it. But there's a way of 100% knowing that you will anyway. And it's the blood of Jesus that covers us. And so if I could just call your heart to return to Christ today, if I could just if I could just ask you to just return in your heart to Christ today, whatever areas that you've surrendered in the past that you've pulled back away from God's hands, like, no, I'm not surrendering this. This is mine now. I'm asking you today to re-surrender that to Him this morning to let the King of kings be the King of your heart because he's a good, jealous God. He wants to be with you. The bridegroom longs for his bride. He longs to be with her. His heart aches. Return to the Lord. Jesus, we love you. Lord, I thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. We were, while we were yet sinners, Christ, you died for us. God, I thank you for the joy that you've put in our hearts of knowing you. Thank you for the light that shines in the darkness. Where we know that the darkness doesn't understand it. They don't comprehend it. But God, I pray that your light would shine on all, all the more. God, that we wouldn't be a people who keep trying to explain the light, but we'd be a people who just are the light. Father, I just pray that you would begin to move in our community, that people would come to know you. Lord, our community is hurting. Our community is hurting with everything going on in the world. They're longing for an answer. God, I pray we as your people would rise up and speak with boldness word of the Lord. God, I pray for a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit that you would give us boldness to declare your word. Lord, I thank you for newness of life that comes through Jesus Christ. Mm. Can you just take a second and just thank God for something he's done for you? Just just whisper it to him or just, I guess, meditate on it, whatever you need to do. But can you just let the Lord know something that you're thankful? As it says in Philippians 4, it says, be anxious about nothing, but, but in everything with prayer and supplication, you, with, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. With thanksgiving, and then it says, the peace of God that surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. Because you're praying. I was in the middle of a meal, and I felt anxiety overwhelming. I was with some guys in Eureka. I just felt anxiety overwhelming me. I just stood up, walked out, walked down the streets of Eureka in the middle of the meal, and just started praying and thanking God for everything he's done for me. Anxiety left. The peace of God guarded my heart and my mind. And then I went in and apologized for walking out, being rude. But these were men of God. They understood. Um, They understood. That's where we live. We live in a supernatural kingdom. This word is true. It's more true than anything I said up here today. The, the truest stuff I said up here was the stuff that matched this. That's the truest parts. And, and lean into the word. Lean into the word. And thank you. And, and um, I don't know what the future holds. None of us do. There's not one of us that last summer looked forward to this summer and thought we'd be right here. In this situation right now. I surely didn't. But the Lord is faithful. The Lord is faithful. And if the Lord tarries 300 years from now, no one's going to remember your stance on masks or monuments. No one will remember it. If they say your name at all, it'll be, be how much your life emulated Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So let's do that. Uh, you're, I mean, have opinions about things. I'm not saying don't have opinions about things. I'm just saying the most important thing of you is your Jesus. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.